Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is July 24th. Today is the first day of this week's Come Follow Me block and this week we get to study the book of Esther. I love this book. This book is one of only two books in scripture named after a woman, and that's really exciting. We get to see two wonderful examples of women here in this book, which is great. But my favorite theme in the book of Esther is we get the opportunity to see the good that just one person can do. Oftentimes we hold back, I feel like. We hold back our good or we hold back our actions or we hold back ourselves thinking, well, what good could I do? It's just me. What good could one person do? Esther shows us that one person can change the course of an entire group of people. And so I love that theme and I love what she can teach us about being courageous to go forward and to do. Now, remember, we talked last week about how Esther and Nehemiah were the final books, chronologically speaking. Esther, even though it's after the book of Nehemiah, was probably about 30-ish years before Nehemiah. We know that Esther was born in captivity, essentially. That makes her sound like she's a lion in a zoo. That's not what I mean. (laughs) But she was born after the Jews had been exiled or taken into Babylon, and then essentially Babylon into Persia. And so this was the only life that she knew. This was the only place that she knew. But she was strong in her faith. Fun fact about the book of Esther, the miracle that we're going to see in the book of Esther is still celebrated today by Jews around the world as a holiday called Purim. Purim is an incredible holiday celebrated by the Jewish people. And a lot of people mistakenly call Purim like a Jewish Halloween, because they do dress in costume. Most people dress in costume from the story of Esther, but some people just dress up in regular costumes. Part of Purim is to listen to the story of the book of Esther and to listen specifically just to every single word. Now, the fun part about this is as they're reading this story, they have these noisemakers. And every time Haman's name, he's kind of the villain of the story. Every time Haman's name is mentioned, they would make noise with that noisemaker so that you couldn't hear Haman's name. They're trying to take him out of the story so that he's not remembered. Part of this holiday also includes giving gifts or charity to the poor. There's always a celebratory meal involved. It's just a really fun holiday, but also a really faith-filled holiday. So let's take a look at this book of Esther. And we're going to start at the very beginning in chapter one. And we're going to take a look at a part of this story that a lot of people don't know. A lot of times when we're studying Esther, we jump right into Esther being queen. But as we start out the story, Esther isn't queen. In fact, there is another queen on the throne. So let's take a look at what happens to her. Oftentimes we talk about Esther being the heroine of this book, and she absolutely is. But we have another heroine here too, and she is much lesser known and really, really amazing. All right, so let's take a look. Starting in verse one, it says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, This Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even to Ethiopia over an hundred and seven and twenty providences, that in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, 
the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. Now, this is an obscure part of the story, but I think it's a really important part of the story. And the reason being is I think that this part of the story shows us about the king's power. Ahasuerus was incredibly powerful, so much so that he ruled over 127 provinces. And that when he clapped his hands and said, hey, all the princes of all those provinces need to come to me so that we can have a feast and so that we can celebrate, they all come running. And they don't just stay for a day or two. Listen to what goes on here. Verse four, when he showed the riches of the glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and four score days. So he is sitting there bragging about his kingdom, showing his riches, showing off, flexing his power in front of these princes for 180 days, nearly a half a year. They are sitting there keeping company with the king, watching him talk about his power and his riches and his authority and everything that he has. Now, after all this time, the king finally decides, okay, we're done, but we should have a feast before we finish up. It says, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. So they have this seven day feast to kind of finish up this festival that they've had. Now it goes on and it talks about the amount of alcohol that they have. And there's just tons of alcohol. Um, some of the other translations make it a little more obvious about how much they were drinking and how drunk really they were. But then it says in verse nine, also Vashati, the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to the king Ahasuerus. So he's feasting and he's making merry with his people. She is hosting a feast for the women. And then in verse 10, it says on the seventh day, they were drunk, they were making merry, and he was there with seven of these men, seven chamberlains. And listen to what he does. Verse 11, he commands to bring Vashati, the queen, before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. Now, on one hand, you might hear this story and think, oh, he just wants to you know, show her off a little because she's so pretty. He respects her. This is not what this was about. This was a very demeaning thing. In fact, a lot of biblical historians believe that this was not just an innocent, hey, come and be my arm candy. Come hang on my arm a little bit so everyone knows how pretty my wife is. That people believe really that this was supposed to be almost like a strip show for these men that were there. He wasn't just trying to show off her beauty. He was trying to show them everything. And listen to what she does. I love this. Now, keep in mind, you guys, this is a very, very powerful man. Probably to Persia, what Pharaoh was to Egypt, just as powerful as it comes. But she knows who she is. Listen to what it says. But the Queen Vashati refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore, the king was very wroth and his anger burned within him. She refused to come. She understood her worth more than to obey her husband's command to come down to be a trophy wife, to strip for the men in the room. 
She understood her worth and understanding her worth gave her strength and power to stand tall. It kind of compares a little bit yesterday to the story of Naaman. He understood his purpose and because he understood his purpose, he refused to come down. Here we've got Queen Vashati. She understood her value and because she understood her value, she refused to come down to the king. My friends, those two things are invaluable to us, to understand who we are and to understand our purpose. Just think of the new youth themes that we've been given for the young men and the young women in the church. The young women's theme starts out, I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know my purpose. The young men's theme says, I am a beloved son of God, and he has a work for me to do. My friends, it is my testimony that when we understand who we are, and when we understand our purpose, it gives us strength and it gives us power to overcome the adversary. It's not a coincidence that when Satan approached Moses after he finally understood his identity, that the first thing he attacked was Moses's identity to God. Because if he can get us to forget who we are, if he can get us to forget our purpose, he can get us to stray from the path. My friends, in our lives, both personally and in the lives of the youth that we know and love, it is essential that we instill this idea of knowing who we are and knowing the purpose that God has for us. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.